Shall we pray? Father, I want to thank you for giving us the grace to gather in this manner in the house of God to worship you, to hear your word and to be ministered. Father, we uh, open up our hearts to your word and Father, we pray that your word will minister to our hearts. In Jesus' most wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Please be seated. <clears throat> all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players, wrote William Shakespeare. And I sincerely, sincerely pray that that is not true with us, especially as believers saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But this impression has come out because of the act of holiness put up by some Christians. We can be actors or we can be real. Ultimately, all acting is hypocrisy and it's a demonstration that we don't believe in God. Friends, we need to be real in the spiritual disciplines of our lives. The word hypocrite, which Jesus mentions in our Gospel reading today, comes from the Greek word for actors. It literally means to put on a mask, not the type that we have been putting on recently, right? So it means to put on a mask, which is what actors in the early days would do when they went on stage. The main goal of acting is to pretend. If you ever have a chance to meet an actor, they are very different people from what they are like on the stage or screen. Their whole life is all about taking off their true identity and putting on a false identity, which is okay really because that is acting. Actors are literally allowed to be hypocrites. But that is not the case when it comes to Christianity. If we are to be followers of Jesus Christ, we can't be actors. Jesus himself makes that very clear in the Sermon on the Mount. You see, Jesus doesn't want people to turn on their righteousness when they step into the limelight. Jesus doesn't want holiness to start just because the music has begun or the Lent season has started. Jesus wants people who are real. To help us see what that means, Jesus gives three practical examples. The act of giving to the needy, the act of prayer, and the act of fasting. In Matthew 6.1, we see that he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. This idea of being seen is the central thing here. When Jesus refers to acts of righteousness, he's really referring to what we would probably call common spiritual practices or disciplines, including things like prayer and fasting and giving to the needy. One thing we need to keep in mind is that Jesus is not implying that you should never do your acts or spiritual practices in public. Jesus is not trying to create a new law that you should never do these things in public. He's not doing that. What Jesus is doing is talking about the heart. He wants people to examine their motivation for doing these, kinds, these acts of kindness. He's trying to get people away from the motivation to, this, to do these acts of righteousness for the sole purpose of a show. Hence, he wants 
Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. In other words, your reason for doing it is to be seen by them. Again, Jesus is not saying never ever do anything in public. That would be impossible. For example, in St. Andrew's Cathedral, we celebrated Christmas by reaching out to the needy and poor through the Christmas is Love event. It was very much a public event. But that is not what Jesus is talking about here. He is saying, don't do it for the purpose of being seen by men. He starts off by talking about giving to the needy. In verse 2, he says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. It was expected, as you read in the Old Testament reading, it was expected that the Jewish people would give to the needy and help the poor. It is also expected today that Christians should help the poor. And again, in St. Andrew's Cathedral, we reach out to the poor, rough sleepers, etc. Back in the day, what would happen is the Jews would go into the synagogues and give their money to the poor. And then over time, some people decided this was an opportunity to be seen in public, to be recognized in public. We don't know whether or not trumpets were actually uh, used, but we do know that people would do things to get attention. They would make a big deal out of it, especially the ones that were big contributors. So people caught on to that and began to give them attention for it. They would give them honor for helping the needy. Jesus refers to these types of people as hypocrites. A modern definition of a hypocrite is really somebody who is pretending to be someone he or she is not. In this instance, somebody pretending to have a high holiness about him or her, but really maybe having a bad character inside. As I mentioned in the beginning, the word hypocrite was a term that was used for an actor on stage. What Jesus is saying is, don't be like these guys that basically are doing an act or putting up a show. They are performing in front of an audience. They are trying to make themselves off to be holier than thou, when really their hearts are not right. Their act has no substance. Because they are seeking the recognition of men, because they are seeking the honour of men, that is what they get. And that is all they will get. They get the recognition of men. People applaud them, praise them, speak highly of them. They have received what they were going after. So, God just steps aside and says, you want the reward that comes from the honour of men? You've got it. Think about ourselves. It is very easy for us to get caught in that mentality. Sadly, we live in a world that is all about honour and recognition. We have opportunities to get our name out there and to get the recognition. But Jesus is saying, don't let that worldly mentality spill over into your lives or you are going to have problems. It is the heart behind it that matters. And then Jesus goes on and talks about prayer. 
He goes on to say in verse 5, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. The Jewish people were expected to pray on a regular basis. They would pray often publicly at least three times a day. The prayers would often happen on the street corners and in the synagogue. People caught on to that and soon the Jewish people got a reputation for being holy because they prayed all the time. Now, many of these people would pray with right motives, but some would not. They might pray the longest or use the most eloquent words. It looks like they are talking to God, but really they are just talking to the people around them. And again, they get the congratulations of men. They are such holy people, but God's not, li- but God's not listening to them because they are not talking to God anyway. So, the people that didn't have a right heart or motive went out there and volunteered to pray just so people would think that they are really high and mighty. They would do it basically to be seen by men. And that is not a good thing. Jesus is saying, don't be like them. Jesus also talks about people who seem to have the need to just pray on and on and on and use a lot of words. Have you come across such people? Or are you such a person? Jesus says in verses 7 and 8, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Interestingly, in King James, uh, same verse, verse 7 says, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. See, for many words that was used in the English ESV version, King James uses vain repetitions. The meaning is the same. Jesus was not against repetition per se, but useless repetition. The idea that Jesus is trying to get across here that the Jewish people would understand is that the idol worshippers of that day, they would engage in this sort of activity because they believed that the more words they used, the more times they mention the name of their God or goddesses, the better likelihood that, they, that, that God or goddess is going to respond to their needs. Really, it was a form of manipulation of their gods. Jesus says, don't be like them. Don't bring that into your faith, into your relationship with your heavenly Father. For your, for your Father already knows what you need before you even ask Him. Don't try to impress God with your prayer. As we think about our own prayer life, it is very risky to be in a group or even a church and say a prayer that is so conscious about the words we are using that we are not even doing it for God. We are doing it because we are trying to gain some recognition from men. We are trying to be seen by them. We try to quote scripture to impress or sound uh, super spiritual. We are careful to use the right words or grammar, maybe for fear of being laughed at. Then there are other people we know that spend a lot of time praying and using a lot of words over and over and over, the same words. 
We feel this need to continue to talk over and over and pray and use the same words and say, God, so many times. Prayers for show, prayers for length. Praying as if this is the only way to pray. Here again, we have to be careful. Because what happens is that people hear these prayers and then think, I can't pray like that. I must not be as righteous, so I won't pray at all. I might as well give up. There are many people who don't pray, either in their homes or in public, because they think that the way they are praying is not up to scratch. God will not hear my prayers. Jesus is saying, don't go there. He goes on to give the model prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. And today we don't have time to get into it. But it is the idea of putting your focus first and foremost on God. So we take the focus off ourselves. So this Friday, we are gathering together as a church, the prayer and praise. So I would like to take this opportunity to invite all of you to come and join us in that corporate prayer. So hope to see all of you there. Then Jesus goes on to talk about fasting. He says in verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. He says, when you fast, not if you fast. So there is an assumption here that the Jewish people would fast. And there is also an assumption that Christians would occasionally fast. For those of us not familiar with fasting, it is simply voluntarily abstaining or avoiding from something for the purpose of connecting with God and really disconnecting from the world. That disconnection from the world could be in the form of um, disconnecting from the need for food, but it also could be things like television, your Korean dramas, social media, technology, alcohol, etc. It could be any of, these, any of those things that uh, keep you enslaved to the world. Fasting is a very appropriate and uh, very healthy thing for Christians to engage in. You see, fasting is an act of sacrifice on a personal level. So the expectation of the Jewish people was that they would fast. Some people caught on that this idea of fasting, when you did this, you would be able to gain some sort of attention. People would take notice because the people that would fast would disfigure their faces and look like they are really suffering. They would put on sackcloth and ashes on their face. So people would look and say, look at that holy man, he is surely fasting. They were trying to show off in front of men just to receive recognition. These three illustrations Jesus is using is to show what the motivation was or the wrong motivation of engaging in these three exercises of giving to the needy and prayer and fasting. The motivation was to get men's attention onto themselves. That was a disease of the Jewish people. It was a disease of the first century people. May it not be our disease. Doing something so you can have people's attention. Somehow, mankind has this need for attention and glory, so you are getting that reward. It is so easy that everybody here, including myself, can fall into that trap. If Jesus was here today, he might talk about giving to the needy, about our prayer habits, about our fasting habits, but he could also carry on and talk about when you are at work or anywhere, 
when you open your Bibles, are you doing it to read it or are you doing it to impress the person sitting next to you? So they think this guy is holy. He's reading the Bible. Are you quoting scripture because you really want to give something to somebody that is really going to edify them? Or because you want to impress them with the fact that you memorized some scripture? All that we do, do we do it for the Lord's glory or ours? Now, if we are honest, we are not 100% always thinking about God. We do things in order to get recognized. What Jesus is saying is, don't do that. Don't let that come in and taint your life or taint your walk with the Lord. If you are doing these things just to get recognition, that will be your reward. And that is all you are going to get. But Jesus gives us a solution here. Thinking about this idea of giving to the needy, Jesus goes on to say in verse 3 and 4, but when you give to the needy, do not, let, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying that don't let your left hand even know what your right hand is doing. Now, in all honesty, that is not possible. Right? Jesus is not giving us a literal command here. Jesus is using an extreme example to emphasize the importance of this teaching. So, how can you not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing? Be totally unaware of it, unaware of your giving. So much so that if somebody said, did you give an offering today? You say, I don't remember. I think so, I just don't remember. I'm totally unaware of it. What Jesus wants is people who forget how generous they really are. That is really what he's speaking of. Of course, you're not to lie about it. Right? But the idea is that you forget that you gave and then you move on. In my former church, there was a brother who took the liberty to wash his car in church. He wanted to save money from washing at a car wash. Washing in church was after all free. When he was told not to do this, he replied, why cannot? I tithe every month. <laughs> his left hand definitely knew what his right hand was doing. Sometimes we feel entitled just because we give to the church, forgetting that giving is a privilege. Jesus goes on and talks about the discipline of prayer life. Verse 6, he says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The idea is to go into your room and lock the door so no people can come in and see you and disturb you. When it comes to prayer, most of our prayer should happen behind closed doors. Think about it. We pray a little bit on Sunday. We pray at our cell groups. But most of it is going to happen behind closed doors because that is a safe place for it to happen. You have no need to impress anybody when you are with God. You just can't impress God. He is not easily impressed. He knows everything, even what we are going to pray for. Public prayer is not wrong because even Jesus prayed in public. And there are many public prayers in the Bible. Jesus encouraged prayer in the temple in Matthew chapter 21. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. So come and join us again this Friday evening at the pavilion for <laughs> prayer and praise. And I'm not saying this just because I'm preaching on Friday. Right? But do come, do come. Now, Jesus is raising a question. 
Do I pray more fervently and frequently when I'm alone with God than I do in public? Is my public prayer life an overflow of my private prayer life? Or really, is what I pray in public just about it? Simple, everyday language, effective prayer. A prayer which comes because you have the same heartbeat as the Father. Finally, he talks about fasting. He says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. We are expected to fast from food or technology or whatever. There are so many variations to fasting these days. What Jesus is saying is, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't feel like you have to be on show about it. In Jesus' day, you could tell immediately when someone is fasting because they would walk around with glum faces, unkempt hair, unwashed clothes, all as a sign that they were fasting. People would point out and say, look at how holy they are giving up soap, not washing their clothes, not eating, all sad and sorry, right? But really, in current times, there are rough sleepers in Singapore that look like that. And they are certainly not thinking about a spiritual discipline. Eugene Peterson, he interprets this in the Message Bible. I read to you. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally. Act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair. Brush your teeth. Wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you are doing. He'll reward you well. In other words, look normal. Do what you normally do. Don't let people know that you are fasting. Don't try to impress God with your fasting unless you have to attend a function and have to refuse the offer of food. Fasting is such a spiritual exercise that the temptation there is very high to let people know. So he says if you go into training inwardly, act normally, outward. What we are talking here about is doing it in secret. Jesus is not saying you are never, ever, ever to do your acts in public. He's not creating, as I mentioned earlier, a new set of laws here. You have to understand that he is giving examples. What he's talking about is the attitude of our heart. What is going on inside of us that is motivating us to go after that self-glory? If it has to do with an attitude of our heart, that means that the training has to happen at the heart level. King David writes in Psalm 50, 51, verse 6, he speaks of God here. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. That is ironic. We learn the discipline of secrecy in the secret place of our heart. The heart is a secret place. No one knows what is going on in our heart except God. Not even our closest friends or confidant. Not even your spouse knows what goes on in your heart. No one knows the thoughts of a person in their heart, and that is a scary thing, my friends. But God knows the heart. He knows our heart, which means we have to expose our heart to God, allow Him to really penetrate 
and maybe point out some ways that, that we are trying to seek some recognition. If we do that, that is allow God to search our hearts, God will honour that. God will answer those prayers. So let us examine our heart, our motives, our intentions, especially during this season of Lent. Let us go out tomorrow and do the same thing, only be more aware of it. Watch our intentions and motives. Be aware of when we are giving or praying or when we are doing uh, anything that is spiritual, that we are not doing it for our own benefit. The reward that God wants to give us is a reward called character. Not just any character, the character of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. God is intent on forming the very character of Jesus in us so that we are equipped to go out and function very effectively in this fallen world. Now, that is a, this is a hard passage to try and figure out, and I hope it has you thinking a lot. You cannot grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ unless we practice what He preached. What happens is, over time, before you know it, you are different. Your character has changed. So, shall we take this season to search our hearts, intentions and motives? What is in our hearts? What motivates us? Let us take this Lent season to search our hearts for wrongful motives and intentions. And let us search deeply, my friends. Will we desire to set our hearts right before God? When we do this throughout the season of Lent, I pray that there will be such a transformation in our lives. And this habit of searching our hearts will go beyond the Lent season and become a habit for us. We tend to cover, cover our wrongful motives and intentions with supposedly good works. Works for men to see and appreciate, and at the same time, cover over our flaws. We do it so that men will not notice our flaws and sins. But friends, Jesus is not so much interested in our actions than in our hearts. He wants our heart. We tend to pull a blanket called ministry, if you can think about this, a blanket called ministry or X to cover over our sins. We pull it over like a blanket. Cover over our wrongful intentions and motives. Men may be impressed by this blanket where they see it, but not God. Shall we uncover this blanket, the secrets in our hearts to our Lord? He knows what is in our hearts. You start on the inside and make sure your heart is right. The stuff on the inside, the way that we live for God, that sorts itself out when the heart is right. So, will you keep it real, my friends? God doesn't want an actor, a hypocrite. He wants us to be real. Real people fail. Pretenders pretend that they don't fail. God is not impressed with pretenders. So, my friends, may I invite us to turn our hearts back to God this season. In the name of our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.